Welcome to the Avail Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to help you take your leadership to the next level. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we want to share with you a talk from Dr. Sam Chan regarding his newest book, Sequence to Success. If you're a leader who wants to better understand this process of gaining momentum, garnering trust, and climbing higher, this episode is for you. No matter where you are on your journey, I know this conversation will inspire and encourage you. Let's get started. My name is Virgil Sierra. Uh, I'm the pastor of Vertical Church, also known as Iglesia Vertical. We are one church, two languages in the city of Sunrise, Florida, not too far from Miami. And I have the pleasure of pastoring a multicultural bilingual church. And I love, I love what I've been learning with the sequence to success as a pastor, as a church leader, as a leader in the community. This material, the sequence of success, is making a difference in my life personally, on my staff, and with the people of our church. So wherever you're from, I said it, I'm Virgil uh, from Sunrise, Florida, South Florida. Where are you connecting from? Could be the States, could be another country, maybe South America, Central America, Africa, Europe, Asia, wherever you're connecting from, let us know. We want to know your name, we want to know where you're connecting from, and we want you to know that we love you, we care about you, we can't wait to spend this time together. So without further ado, uh, I think it's time to hear from the man of the hour, uh, from our dear friend, uh, author, pastor, leader, Dr. Sam Chan. Dr. Sam, how are you doing today? I am doing amazing, Virgil, and thank you for this awesome opportunity. I see so many people are logging in to be with us on this sequence to success. Uh, so everybody who's been, uh, who's logging in right now has got the sequence to success bundle. Uh, <laughs> this cover should be familiar to everybody right now. And you also have a workbook that went along with it. And everybody who's logging in right now has been through my video trainings that I have done. So you have received the book, you received the workbook, you have received videos, and so we are ready to delve into uh, this whole thing about sequence of success. Before I go there, I want to talk about Pastor Virgil Sierra. He's a great friend of mine, and I met him for the first time in Bogota, Colombia. Uh, we were uh, uh, sharing a car ride from our hotel. We were both the same conference, and we sharing a uh, car ride from early in the morning. We were talking about early, early to the airport. Now, I had enough time on the, on the way to the airport to get checked in everything. But he was running really, really close. So a lot of our conversation on the car ride was, take it. And if you don't, what's plan B? And, and, and when we started talking in the car ride, we had no idea. Listen to me now. We had no idea that one day he'd be hosting my call <laughs> that will eventually go out worldwide to thousands of people on every continent. And that is how life starts. So the story behind the sequence to success is how does somebody get anywhere in life? So, so I had never met Pastor Virgil Sierra before. Uh, we ran into each other in Bogota, Colombia. He lives in Miami, as he's told you. He's a pastor there. I did not know him. I don't know if he knew me or not, but there we were. And one thing led to the other, to the other, to the other. So the question becomes, how do you meet somebody for the first time, really, not very long ago, 
how do you get to know them on a car ride from the hotel to Bogota, Colombia airport on the way back to the United States? And how does all that happen in the middle to bring us to this juncture that we are on the same screen together? How is it that I am willing to put my brand, my name, my program in his hand? How does that happen? And that is the kind of thinking that brought me to write the book Sequence to Success. How does anybody get anywhere? How does anybody have the opportunities that they have? How, how does life unwrap itself? How do you get there? Uh, that happens in my life all the time. I have been in so many green rooms and so many offices and I'm consulting with people in corporate or uh, church, ministry marketplace, where it doesn't matter, wherever I am. Uh, the question that goes on in my mind all the time is how did I get here? What had to transpire for me to be in this room? And when I became a student of that, I started working it backward. I, I, I did, a, you know, I deconstructed it. That's a good word. I started deconstructing it to see, so if I am here, what happened before that? What happened before that? What happened before that? What happened before that to bring me to where I am? One thing leading to another. And that is what I call the sequence to success. Three words, you already know them. Three words, let me do a little teaching on that, a little review on that. And then if you have questions, if you will just go to the question and answer and send a question in, we'll be happy to answer that for you. Uh, Virgil will get the, uh, the questions and pass them on. And like he said earlier, if you let us know where you're coming from, uh, I'm from Johannesburg, South Africa. I'm from Lagos, Nigeria. I'm from Manila, Philippines. I'm from Bogota, Colombia. I'm from Miami, Florida. Wherever you're from, just log in there. Tell us where you're from. And if you have questions, please send them in because just momentarily, <coughs> in just a few minutes, after I have spoken and reviewed, we'll be doing some questions uh, with you as well. So as you well are aware, the, the whole book is built on three words. Observations, opinions, opportunities. Just, just, just for the heck of it, let's just say that together. You ready? You ready? We're going to say that together on the count of three. One, two, three. Observations, Observations. opinion, and opportunities. opportunities. Let's talk about those. So what do people observe? The first thing people observe about you is your attitude let me let me let me make sure that you understand the, it's your attitude that people will meet first uh it's it's about the attitude which says i'm flexible it's the attitude which says i'm here on the team It's the attitude which says i bring solutions it's the attitude which says you can count on me because it's not what a person says but you will meet their attitude first you observe their preparation uh, you observe their, uh, their stability. You, you observe their trust. You, you, what you start doing is you start observing things about them. 
you start observing that they're articulate. You start observing they present themselves well. You start observing that they have a good sense of humor. They start, you start observing that they can get the big picture. They, they start observing that they don't just uh, understand the job or the responsibility given to them, but you start observing that they see the bigger picture, how, how everything flows together, how, uh, you know, how you dress, how you move, what you say, how you don't say, the reflection of your voice, your gesticulation. So all of that becomes part of what you're observing about a person. You observe their creative thinking. You observe how they bring themselves. You observe their, their demeanor. Are they nice? Are they mean? Do they smile? Do they uh, look away? Do they make eye contact? You start observing, hey, if I had to uh, have this person represent me, what would that person look like? If I had this person make a phone call on my behalf, can they do that? Observation. But observations then take us to the second O, which is opinions. Opinions, opinions. We all have opinions, don't we? Every one of us has opinions. Uh, so let me, let me uh, give you the bottom line. The reason you are on this call is because of your opinion of me. It's as simple as that. If you had a low opinion of me, you would have never purchased the sequence to success. You would have never logged into this. It is your opinion of me that allows me to speak into your life. Now, that opinion is shifting at all times. Please understand that. Even on this call, <laughs> either you're thinking same of me, you're thinking high of me, you're thinking lower of me. Even as this conversation goes on, we're going to question and answers. Uh, I see a lot of people are in the chat line right now, but uh, if you have questions, send them in so we can answer those. But your opinion is shifting at that time. And then people can form good opinions, wrong opinions. I have formed wrong opinions of people before, had to correct that. You have done the same thing. People have had wrong opinions of me or bad opinions of me and changed their mind. In fact, people have had good opinions of me and then changed their mind. <laughs> so, so opinions are like that. A, a, a few things about opinions. Have you noticed how quickly we form an opinion? You, you meet somebody for the first time, you, you just form an opinion that quickly about them. You go into a restaurant, you go into a church, you go into someone's house, you're driving a car, you form opinions all the time. And have you also noticed once you form an opinion, how difficult it is to change your opinion? <laughs> because it's very difficult for people to change their opinion and, and opinions once formed uh, start forming us. And, and then have you noticed how our opinions affect other people's opinion? And have you also noticed how freely we share our opinions? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's, it's like, well, you know, I wouldn't go to that restaurant. I don't like that church. You know, I, 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 I like how he talks, but when she starts singing, I don't like. And we share our opinions so freely. I mean, what is Facebook all about, for example? What is Twitter, Instagram all about? It is people. I know there's some information, but that is still somebody's information. That is still somebody's opinion. And it is your opinion on their opinion that, that keeps going round and round. And then have you also noticed how our opinion affects other people's opinions? A lot of people don't do certain things because they 
have hurt somebody else, give their opinion. And in my class, you also learn that opinions do four things. They promote, demote, stagnate, or terminate. They either promote somebody, they demote somebody, they stagnate somebody, or they terminate somebody. So opinions are important, but they all find their genesis inside observations. And so once you've observed somebody, when you observe something, you formed an opinion, and now you are going to give them an opportunity to or opportunity not to. So your, your opportunities that come in your life are based on those things, based on how people observe you, opinions they form, and the opportunities in your life. So this is what I'd like for you to do before we get into some questions uh, and uh, see what we have to do with the answers over there. Because at the end, I want to give you a way to think about this whole concept since I've written the book. So the, the material I'm gonna share with you at the end is not in the book, was not in the course, because I'm a constant learner. So it's not like I've written the book, I'm an expert on it, I have nothing else to learn from it. I, I have learned more about uh, this whole thing. So I'm going to share some things that are not in the book, not in your workbook, not in the videos that you watched, uh, some new learning that I have discovered. So I wanna save that for after the question. So. Here's the thing that you have to know. Somebody else <clears throat> key to your success and you hold the key to somebody else's success. You need to know that because your observation, your opportunity is going to either promote, demote, stagnate, terminate. And the same thing is gonna happen from somebody else. Somebody else will do those four things with you based on their observation and their opinion. So while we are observing others, we've got to know we are being observed too. There's a camera on every one of us. And I know uh, I have spoken long enough, didn't mean to speak this long Virgil, but uh, if you want to just jump into the questions you've received that before you, uh, let's see what we can do for that. And then I wanna come back and uh, conclude our time. Also, I have a very special, very special, never before given offer I want to tell everybody about. So take it away. Yes, of course. Well, let me just say, um, for me personally, uh, Dr. Sam, this book and this sequence of success has been so effective in understanding so much. I was reading it with my with my 12-year-old son, Caleb, and even he can understand. And he was telling me, oh, dad, that's why if people are observing me, they're going to have an opinion and that's going to give me an opportunity in school, in sports, in church. And, and I just want to say, Dr. Sam, we're so thankful because uh, this is making a difference. We're seeing a lot of questions come in. We have people from all parts of the world and all parts of the states connected. Here's the first question, Dr. Sam. Uh, somebody writes, I've done everything I can think of to ensure that others' observations of me are positive but there are still people on my team who seem to view me in a negative light. Are they always going to see me this way? I think we're all sometimes worried about observations. Yeah, so good news is no, they're not always gonna see you like that. So what you have to do is to say to yourself, what are people observing about me? Because remember the opportunity is the last circle, is the last O, is the three O's. So is the last O, 
So you got to say to yourself, no, they're not always going to think like that about me. I know that in my life. It's true in your life. So the person asking the question has to, has to remind themselves there were people that had a different opinion of them and gave them different opportunities, but they've changed their mind. And you have done the same thing about other people. So you know it's, it's not something static. It's not like a landscape. It is a, it's a seascape. So people, those things are shifting. Now, what I do want to say to you is, that don't get so hung up on people who may not be able to make the journey. Uh, I don't know of anybody who has 100%. So, you know, as wonderful as I am, you know I'm wonderful. <laughs> as wonderful I am, I'm sure there are many, many, many people out there who don't think of me like I'd like for them to think of me. So I'm not out there to change their mind. What I am out there is to make sure that I am introspective. I have a spirit of humility. I'm willing to look at myself. I'm willing to take other people's opinions of me in context. I'm willing to learn from other people as much as it might hurt me. You know, when people say, well, I want to give you some constructive criticism. There's no such thing as constructive criticism. So it's only constructive to the person giving it. So I just want you to just relax. Keep doing what you are doing. If there's merit to what people are observing about you, then change what you're doing. So the sequence starts all over again. Remember, it is observations, what people are observing. Hence, what opinions are they forming? And so what opportunity they can give to you? Thank you very much. <laughs> Great answer. And, you know, I think one of the things that came to my mind as well, Dr. Sam, is, is if when I'm concerned of others, uh, what they're observing, I really got to check. How's my attitude? How's my preparation? How's my understanding? Those tips that you give us along the way in the book are very helpful in that. Here's another question. Again, we have people from all over connected. Uh, here's the next question. Uh, how do you know when you're starting to care too much about others' opinions? Where's the line between a healthy amount of interest and obsessing over how others see you? What a great question. What a great question. Now, I wish I could tell you that I am at a place in my life where other people's opinions do not matter. I'm not there. And I don't think I should be there. Because other people's opinions should matter. However... I think your question implies the answer. Your question says, are, am I getting obsessive about this? Uh, am I being dysfunctional about this? Am I putting too much emphasis on this? So what I would like to say to you is, you should have a healthy amount of interest in what other people think about you. But also know this, that after you've done what Virgil was talking about earlier, just taking inventory of yourself, making sure that you place emphasis on where there's merit for that. Because people, when they are saying stuff, they, you may not like what they're saying, you may not like how they're saying it, but if you allow it to soak into you, you may say, you know something, they have a point. And then you can make that correction over there. So the answer to your question is, uh, don't be obsessive about it, but be very, very cognizant of it. And don't let it un or ruin your life. 
allow it to continue to strengthen where you're at? Great question. Thank you. That's great. That's great, Dr. Sam. You know, there's a lot of people in uh, getting in, in integrated here and involved in the chat. Uh, we, have a, we have a question from Cedric. How do you lead more effectively if you are not the top leader in an organization? And I know this is a tricky question for some of us, like myself. I'm the lead pastor, but I've been there before when my father was the lead pastor. Uh, this is a great question. How do you lead more, lead more effectively if you are not on the top, uh, in that top leadership position? First of all, the, the, the principle is honor. The principle is honor. You can never go wrong with honor. Dishonor is a very terrible thing. Uh, you will, you will uh, sow very bad seeds from that. So honor up, honor up. Number two is when you're not in the lead position, you are over here, but here, how are you caring for your leader? What is your leader observing about you? You have to ask yourself, what does the leader need from me? You've got to ask this question. Why did this leader bring me on here? Because somebody can bring you on here, but for them to keep you there is another question altogether. So they have up here, they have observed something. They have formed an opinion. Hence, they're giving you an opportunity. And you know you can move up if you can help them observe something different about you form a different opinion. That's the only reason we go up. So if you're not in the lead position, keep honoring, keep asking the question, what does my leader need from me? So I'm going to give you a nugget. Fall out of your chair is going to be that profound. But everyone has thought about this before. It is going to be as simple as simply asking this person, how can I serve you better? Do you hear me? Simply asking them, how can I serve you better? Just you asking that question will raise their observation, hence their opinion and your opportunities. So today, if you are not in the first chair, you are somewhere here, here's your primary leader, just do a simple thing. Contact your leader and ask them, here's the words. How can I serve you better? And then whatever they say, you flow with it. Can I give you that profound thought one more time? Pastor, CEO, supervisor, executive director, my leader, my department leader. How can I serve you better. Six words. Here we go again. How can I serve you better? That's it. And you will see a marked change in them and for you. I love it. I love it. I think that every top leader of organization would love to hear that question asked. Very good. This is words of wisdom from Dr. Sam Chan as we continue to discuss the sequence to success. Uh, I have another question here, Dr. Sam, there's a lot of, a lot of people interested in knowing more. Um, here's an, another question. In the book, you mentioned four things our opinions can do. Promote, demote, stagnate, and terminate. Uh, stagnate seems to have a negative connotation, but is there a time when stagnating someone is the best thing for them? 
<laughs> well, that's a tricky question. Somebody's setting me up there. <laughs> I, can, I can observe that somebody is setting me up. So there are people who entered a job 40 years ago. They're still on the same job for 40 years. They retired from that job in 40 years and remained at the same steady pace. And that is good for people for whom they are not looking to go higher. They just want a steady uh, outlook, steady income, steady job, steady responsibility. They are not trying to get anywhere. They just want to be where they're at and do what they're doing and continue what they're doing. And I think I'm good with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now, if you had given an indication to somebody who is above you that you had an ambition or a desire to do more, you would have tuned into that. But after the first few years, everybody knew that uh, she was years of age when she became our receptionist, our secretary. She is 65 now, still the receptionist, still the secretary. Everybody knows her. She knows everybody. She knows more about the business than people realize. But she's steady, steady, steady. I wouldn't call her stagnant. I would just say she made a choice in life. And there's nothing wrong with that. So uh, whoever's trying to set me up with that question needs to know that not stagnant is not a negative word. It has negative connotation. It's not a negative word. Very good. Very good. Very true. Because sometimes we, we, we can tend to put a connotation on something that's not necessarily negative. But thank you for bringing that insight. Okay, here's another question. The questions are coming in. Uh, what is the most common way you've seen leaders squander their opportunities? How can we avoid this mistake? I think we see this all the time, Dr. Sam. How can we avoid squandering opportunities as leaders? Oh, boy. I've done that so many, many times. I've seen that right in front of me and... Uh, because of my opinions from the past, I squandered new opportunities. Uh, and we've, we've all done that. And I think that is where you need, I need, we all need a good dose of humility. Humility which says, let me look at this. Let me push pause. Let me think about this. If, I, if you're a believer, let me pray about this. Let me get somebody else's counsel on this. Let me talk it out with my family. Let me talk it out with my spouse. Uh, I have friends. Let me, let me see what they think of that. Because opportunities can get squandered. And here's what I know about opportunities. Opportunities usually just go away. They never come back. Once in a great while, you might be blessed enough to have an opportunity back. But opportunities basically don't get postponed, they get canceled. There's a season for everything. There's a window of time for everything. Even talking about the birth of Jesus, Paul tells us in the book of Romans, in the fullness of time. There was a window, there was an opportunity, there was a, there was a timing. And so if you have opportunities today, before you say no, I'm going to tell you, I have messed up pretty big time on this through my professional career. Yeah, I can remember I had a great opportunity that was br brought to me by a world-class leader. I'm not going to name that person. 
but the world class leader brought me this opportunity of a lifetime. And I said no to that opportunity. So I came home and I was bragging about it to my wife, saying, hey, I said no to so-and-so. She looked at me like, uh, what's wrong with you? I thought you were smarter than that. And then I had to re-engage that person and uh, in all humility say to them, uh, I heard what you said. I'm sorry for my immediate response. Can we revisit that again? And I won't tell you because of my willingness to listen to my wife back and talk to this person and this person having enough grace to give me another opportunity, my life was transformed forever. All that happened because I was willing to have that spirit of humility. Now I'm not bragging about my humility. I'm simply saying, if you pass by opportunities, you might want to try to reach back on it and say, how can I find another way into that? So good, so good. Uh, again, we are just tapping into more of Dr. Sam's heart on the sequence to success. Can I just say, Dr. Sam, I have a question I wanna ask you just because it captured uh, my attention and my son's attention because he was watching uh, the, the conclusion uh, uh, of the modules and the videos that you set up uh, and, and you talk about the peanut butter, the peanut butter principle. Yeah. Or the peanut butter syndrome, peanut butter syndrome. I had never heard of that, but, but I'm telling everybody about it. The peanut butter syndrome, because I'm a lead pastor and as a lead leader, you kind of feel obligated to treat everybody the same, you know, to spread the peanut butter all the way to the edges. You know, that's how I make my sandwiches for my kids when they go to school. So can you touch on that? Because I think a lot of people, a lot of lead leaders or people that will be in that position could benefit from that. That is a mistake leaders make. And what we do is we take peanut butter and spread it evenly on the bread. That means the bread is your team. Peanut butter is your resources. Team and resources. So if you take your resources and give everybody the same amount of resources, you have created that peanut butter syndrome. Uh, so that simply means, what are your resources? Your, your most important resource as a leader is your attention, your attention to something. That's the most important resource you have. But there are other resources as well. Your attention, your time, your money, facilities, people, uh, uh, building a team, all those things are resources, but not everybody needs those and not everybody deserves those. So those who are really being productive, those who are really bringing solutions, those who are really making it happen need more peanut butter. Edges of your sandwich that are not producing <laughs> because if give the same amount to everybody, peanut butter all the way, then you are really uh, rewarding people for incompetence and penalizing people for competence. And people got to know that you're going to get give disproportionate amounts of peanut butter to those or resources to those who are doing it. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Everybody in your organization knows who is winning and who is not. Everybody knows in your organization who is being productive, who is not. Everybody knows. So it's, it's not like 
nobody knows or this is a big secret. This is what I call an open secret. Open secret. Everybody knows the secret. And the secret is who is doing it, who is not doing it, who is productive, who is not productive, who brings solutions, who brings problems, who's got a great attitude, who finds uh, a bad attitude in everything. So put your resources behind people that are actually deserving of those resources. And that's what I call the peanut butter. <laughs> So, so I'm assuming it's safe to say that some people will get a little more peanut butter than others and it should be okay. <laughs> so, so we don't, here, here's, the, here's a sentence. Uh, we don't treat people equally. We treat people fairly. We don't treat them equally, but we treat them fairly. Very good, uh, very good answer. And I love the peanut butter syndrome. Here's a question from an anonymous attendee. Uh, in nonprofit organizations, we often have individuals under our leadership that are volunteer based. Could you speak to insights in leading volunteers and laying out expectations for them that are acceptable and attainable? Great question. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So first of all, volunteers are the lifeblood of any organization. Uh, uh, here's a question I ask pastors on a regular basis. If, you're, if this coming weekend, your volunteers went on strike, all your volunteers stayed home. Tell me what's happening at your church. And they all put a big smile and they all shake their heads. You can have a mega whatever, but you don't even know where the light switches are. How to turn on the sound system. You have no idea how the screens work. You may not even have the keys to the building. <laughs> so it's, it's all volunteer based. So this is what I'm going to give you a simplistic answer. And then I'm going to delve a little bit more into volunteerism. I would like for you to Google volunteerism, not volunteers, but volunteerism, because volunteerism is a science and an art. You, it all starts with you asking yourself a question. Why does somebody volunteer? Why does somebody give me the most precious commodity they have, which is their time? Uh, so if you're on so if you're on staff on a church, you're being staff at a nonprofit. You are being paid to do what you're doing. But as a volunteer, I have a family. I have a job. I have other responsibilities. I have other interests. And on top of that, I give you my most precious commodity, my time. All I'm expecting from you is understanding, respect, honor that. Uh, when I send you a text respond back to me. When I have a question, give it to me. Be clear in your communication. Don't ask me a day before to do something. If you have known about it ahead of time, once in a while, you may ask me to do something right away. But in most cases, you know ahead of time, plan because I have to move stuff around to do what I do. I, I'm there early. I stay back late. So volunteerism, there's an art and a science to volunteer. And by the way, there have been great books written, even in the Christian community, great books written on volunteers and volunteerism. And I would like for you to become a student of volunteers so that you can maximize what volunteers bring to you. Great answer. I think that's important, especially for those of us in the church world or in the uh, nonprofit community world. Very, very important. I think we have time for, for one more question here, Dr. Sam. I think everybody's leaning in. I'm leaning in right now. I'm taking notes here as we're doing this. And here's a question. Um, 
you mentioned the pressure on leaders to be constantly positive and upbeat. Do you think there are any aspects of our work culture or even our culture in general that contribute to this pressure that leaders feel? Yeah, I think we all feel to be the one smiling the most in the room. <laughs> we feel the pressure of humoring everybody. We feel the pressure of everybody's getting along with everybody. We like to tell a few jokes and some stories about each other. We feel the pressure to bring cohesion and create an atmosphere, environment in which people will get along to go along. Uh, the, we, so the pressure there is not so much to be positive. The pressure there is to create that environment, that atmosphere in which good things can happen, ideas can be received, vision can be downloaded, people can volunteer, people will get it and rise to the occasion. And that is what we call positive, but it's really not that. It is the pressure to create that atmosphere in which good things can happen. That is a part of leadership. Uh, I don't want to call it cultural. I just say when people come into a room, when you're having a meeting, when you got leaders around you, I'm, I mean, uh, so think about a church service, praise and worship as much as we enjoy that. That's creating the atmosphere for the word to be received, the atmosphere for lives to be transformed, the atmosphere in which uh, preaching becomes easy, uh, is creating the atmosphere of touching heaven and heaven touching us. And, and so that is what is really happening over there. So once I reframe that question to say, uh, do I have to create the atmosphere? Yeah, the leader is responsible for creating the atmosphere, the environment in which good things can happen. Thank you so very much. That was a great last question. So uh, carry on. Uh, don't want to disturb your train of thought, Virgil. Well, you know, I just want to say, um, I said it at the top of, of this Q&A, um, the, the, the wealth of knowledge and wisdom and just practical uh, sense in the sequence to success in this book, Dr. Sam, has been a blessing to my life personally. Uh, and I can just say, if I have your permission, I'm going to share it with everybody I see uh, because I see it everywhere. I literally see it everywhere. I'm talking to people and I'm literally saying, hey, it sounds like you want some opportunities. And so those opportunities are directly connected to going in backward sequence, right? To the opinions people have of you, which they're going to form based on the observations they're making of you. And so it really brings a little bit of ownership. And I think as leaders, we have to own this as well. Not only are we observing people and forming opinions about people to give them opportunities, but even in our current situations, we are being observed. We are on the camera. Opinions are being formed and we want to see greater opportunities. And, and I even, um, even on a spiritual sense, I think with God, he's observing us. Uh, and, and, and he sees us as his children and he loves us. But man, I'm like, Lord, put me in the game, coach. L Lord, you know, give me more opportunities to make a difference. So I'm just, on behalf of everybody who's connected, all the people from all over the world connected, Dr. Sam, and everybody who's not only already has the sequence of success in their hands, but that are going to have it in the, in the very near future and, and watch this in, in the future. Thank you for bringing this uh, this uh, uh, way, easy way, practical way of seeing something that's kind of complicated, but it happens in a moment. But if we, if we, if we leverage it and understand it, it can make such a difference. Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll just say this, uh, not only the sequence of success, but we're so proud of this, Dr. Sam, the Avail Journal is making a difference. Um, and I, I think you have some offers to talk about because there's some things that God's put on your heart as well. So you can get that Avail, can you hold that Avail Journal up for a second? Yeah, there you go. So you can get the Avail journal. Uh, it is almost 100 pages of full color. 
nothing but leadership in it and you can get that for a whole year free of charge four issues free of charge at availjournal.org availjournal.org free subscription for the first year availjournal.org and i'm sure it will be dropped as a link in when this message goes out thank you very much so let me conclude my time with you and i want to say three things i want to say three things to you number one if this has been a blessing to you tell somebody else about it now how do you do that I'm going to say the second thing. Uh, so I want to give you an offer that you can't re refuse. I have a, what is known as the Sam Chan Leadership Institute. Thousands of people all over the world paid 2,000 US dollars for a year's program. But I have an offer you cannot refuse. I'm calling it the whatever you can pay offer. That simply means this that if you want to pay 2000 it's up to you but if you want to pay whatever you can afford no questions asked you'll get the 12 month program in those 12 months i'm going to give you a website in a minute to go get it in 12 months you're going to get 12 books i have written a book a month you're going to have at least four videos a month uh teaching on that book just like you did on sequence of success so 12 books almost 50 videos over the year uh, it's all online. It's all digital. At the end, you will get a certificate of completion from me. All of that for whatever you can pay. So you're ready to write this down and we'll also send you this, uh, this uh, uh, website as well. Here's the website. samchandleadership.com slash COVID. C-O-B-I-D. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, in these days that we're living in, and we're gonna hear about this for a long time. I just want you to know that we have made provision for you. So it is whatever you can pay, no questions asked, no offer refused. It is your place, it is your pace, it is your price. So it is samchandleadership.com slash COVID, C-O-B-I-D. When you go there, it's very simple. You tell us who you are, your information, so we can send it to you. You tell us how much you wanna pay, one time or recurring, it's up to you. No questions asked, and bam, it is available to you. samchandleadership.com slash COVID. And then, if that is a blessing to you, if that information is a blessing to you, send it out. Send it out to everybody. Tell all your friends on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever you do. Uh, tell everybody about, hey, you can't refuse. You name your own. How cool is that? You name your own price. I mean, it doesn't get, it's like going to a restaurant and a menu with all the items and no prices. And you say to the server, hey, how much does this cost at the end of the meal? Just pay whatever you want to. And that's all we're saying to you. It is whatever you want to do. samchanleadership.com slash COVID. Tell everybody about it. But most of all, you need to take advantage of it yourself. Thank you so very much, Virgil. Thank you for being part of this, for leading us. You can get the Avail magazine. You can get my leadership program, a 12-month program, all of that at whatever you want at the price that you want to pay. Avail is free for a year. Mine is whatever you want to pay. Virgil, you have been amazing. Thank you so very much. 
remind yourself it is the sequence to success observations opinions opportunity have a great day thank you so much for joining us today i sincerely hope you gleaned new insights strategies and inspiration from our conversation with dr chan if you'd like to order your own copy of Sequence to Success, visit us at availleadership.org forward slash chand. You'll also have the chance to sign up for the Sequence to Success Masterclass. And trust me, you don't want to miss out on the opportunity to dive deeper into this topic with Dr. Chand. For more information about Avail, visit us at availleadership.org.